We're returning the word of God this morning to that chapter we read together earlier on. Job 42. I wonder if you have ever read a book like Agatha Christie. And you read through this whodunit. And being an inquisitive person, you ask yourself the question, I wonder how it'll all end. Perhaps you're watching a DVD and you're not going to see the whole DVD. And you think to yourself, I wonder how it's all going to pan out in the end. Well, that is what we're going to do this morning with the book of Job. We're going to see how it all ends. And how wonderfully and gloriously and amazingly it ends. Here is this man Job. He's had a battering from his critics. But God, who is faithful to him, has the last word. And how thankful we are that ultimately God will have the last word. And he comes down to Job at the very end. And he asked Job a series of questions. In chapter 38 and verse 4, he says to Job, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And if you'd have been in Job's position then, you wouldn't have an answer to that. I wasn't there. And then God says to Job in chapter 38 and verse 12, have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? And if you'd have been Job, you'd have had to answer no to that question. And then God says, have you entered the springs of the sea in verse 16? Or have you walked in search of the depths? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? And the same answer would be given. And God reveals himself time and time again as a great sovereign almighty God. In chapter 39 and verse 1 he gives Job a question about wild, about animals. Do you know the time when the wild mountain goats bear young? Or can you mark when the deer gives birth? What do you know about wildlife, Job? And then he takes him in verse 26 of chapter 39. Does a hawk fly by your wisdom and spread its wings toward the south? And here is Job silenced again. And then in chapter 40. Verses 3 to 5. Then Job answers the Lord and says, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. God shows him something of his greatness and how he sustains creation by the wonder of his power. And Job realises something of his own ignorance of God. Job realises that God's ways are past finding out. And then in this chapter in verse 2, Job says, 
I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. And that is a great statement. That is a great statement to remember when you and I are perplexed and when you and I don't realise what God is doing in our lives. How thankful we are that ultimately that God can do everything and that no purpose of his can be thwarted. We make plans and sometimes our plans don't go as we anticipated. We go out on a journey and perhaps a car breaks down. A short while ago I was going down to East Morling and I got within a mile of the destination and the clutch gave up. And how thankful we are for the AA in a situation like that. Well, we have to remember that God is, has everything under ultimate control. And God so works that we might trust him in every situation. That is God's purpose for you and I. That we might know his word and his word so well that we might know how to apply the word of God to the particular situation in which you and I are found. In chapter three, in verse three of chapter in chapter forty-two, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job recognised that he had had a hearsay knowledge of God. Oh, he knew a great deal about God. He was one who knew what it was to eschew evil and fear God. He was the godliest man of his day, but how he needed an even greater revelation of who God is. I have seen you, says Job, in your true might. I have seen you in your true greatness. And how unreasonable it is that I should contend with you. And he feels ashamed. And he abhors himself. He despises himself. He feels a deep sense of shame over his attitude toward God but there he is in all of his suffering and a true knowledge of God will silence us a true knowledge of God will make us say let God be God and when troubles come and none of us are going to be free of trouble then we are to put into practice what we say we believe. And those situations are there under God's permissive will in order that we might know him more and that we might know what it is to apply truth and that we might know what it is to experience his keeping grace. Many years ago, 
a man I know, a minister called Gordon Murray, was out in a restaurant with his 27-year-old daughter. And they were having a meal. And she had a peanut allergy. And she died because of that peanut allergy. And I remember being at Westminster Chapel in the book room there and Gordon Murray came in just a few weeks after it had all happened. And these two ladies in the book room showed a great deal of concern over the situation and Gordon Murray graciously said, it is an opportunity for me to put into practice what I say I believe. And my dear friends, that's true of all of us. When trials come, when difficulties come, when problems mount up, it is an opportunity for us to put into practice what we say we believe. When my brother-in-law was diagnosed with dementia some years ago, he was taken home to be with the Lord in October last year, I remember his wife saying it is an opportunity for us to show people that we do believe what we really say we believe and when crisis comes we are not to press the panic button we are to press the trust button Job says how unreasonable it is that I should contend with God that I should argue with God that I'm competent enough to understand God. None of us is. God's ways are past finding out. Now in 1966, some of you will remember, there was what was known as the Aberfan disaster. 28 adults and 116 children were buried in a slag heap in Wales. I was a teenager at the time, and my mother and father were hard unbelievers at the time. And they would often bring this Aberfan disaster to my attention. And on a Sunday in particular, they used to have another person, a friend from London who used to come down, who was a hardened atheist, and they used to batter me with this. How can God permit all this? But then there was a day when my father came to meet with God and he was completely silenced. He knew what it was to meet with the great God of heaven and the great God of earth. And in a sense Job was silenced here. We do not always understand what God is doing. The plan, his ways are past finding out. But when we meet with God we are silenced. Let God be God. And he has ways of doing things and accomplishing things that we had never thought of. We think of the earthquake in Turkey that affected Syria as well and the devastation that that caused. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, a young boy of nine losing his mum and dad Two fine Christians, a Christian preacher of the word of God. And Job saw something of God. 
And he said in verse 6, Therefore I abhor myself. Or as the revised version says, I loathe my words. He had thrown himself into grief and despair. And he's now full of true repentance. And he admits that his words have been overbought, not befitting a true believer. You think of Richard Dawkins. If he meant something of the true God, it would silence him. It would totally silence him. And the question I would ask, have you met with the true God? Have you known what it is to meet with the true God of the Bible? And known what it is to abhor yourself. To realise that he is holy and that you are sinful and that you need to come to the glorious person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, meeting with God humbles us. And yet at the same time we are amazed at the glorious provision of the gospel. The glorious provision of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Job does not retract what he said concerning his essential integrity. But he admits that his words have been overbold. Have you had a wrong attitude toward God? Maybe you're not a believer yet, and yet in your heart you've had a wrong attitude toward God. Let God be granted. And maybe you're a believer here, and you are surrounded by doubts. You are surrounded by doubts. What is God doing in the situation in which I'm found? Well, what we are to do is keep unbelief at bay, and to be ever looking to God, and ever trusting in him and God accepts Job's submission but then God puts his friends so called in their place in verse 7 and so it was after the Lord had spoken these words to Job that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite my wrath is aroused against you and your two friends for you have not spoken to me what is right as my servant Job has now therefore take for yourself seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you. For I will accept him lest I deal with you according to your folly because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. They thought they got it all right. And the great danger is to be a clinical theologian. But they have got it all wrong. Can you imagine these critics? How their faces must have gone red. How embarrassed they must have been. And they were to humble themselves before Job and they were to sacrifice a burnt offering. There was to be repentance with them as well. But then Job was to pray for them. He was to pray for them. You can imagine how they must have hurt him. 
how the arrows that must have gone into Job's heart must have pierced him. But Job prays for that. And when we get it wrong, and we make wrong judgments, do we say sorry? Sometimes we make judgments and we don't see the whole picture. I remember some years ago I was in a, on a supermarket checkout in Sainsbury's in South End. And there was a lady in front of me and she was taking a heck of a long time checking out. I kept getting a bit impatient, you know. I'm not totally patient. Get a move on, I thought. Get a move on. And I thought of my parking meter running out. And then I realised she'd only got one arm. There were facts that I didn't no. And I was making a judgment on facts that I didn't know. We have to be careful about that. There must be facts that you don't there may be facts that you don't know about someone else. It's the adversity that the Lord brought upon him. Surely Satan brought it on him. But Satan did it. Because God gave him permission. And we must always remember that even Satan, the great God of this world, is at the fingertips of the Almighty. You remember back in the life of Joseph. And we have a commentary on the life of Joseph in Psalm 105 and in verse 17. What really happened in the life of Joseph? Well, his brothers sold him into Egypt. His brothers were full of jealousy toward him. And they didn't like him at all. But what do we read? He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass... The word of the Lord tested him. Who sent a man before them? Who sent Joseph? It was God in his matchless sovereignty. And he was using the evil of man to bring about his sovereign purposes. Or look at Luke 22 and verse 22 about the glorious person of the Lord Jesus Christ. What an amazing statement we have there. But behold, and truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. The sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. Those brothers were responsible for taking Joseph into Egypt and accountable for it, but God was ultimately sovereign. And we read the same thing with regard to the Lord Jesus. It was determined. And all the evil events that took up to Calvary, and we see a demonstration of the awful sin of man. And it doesn't take away man's responsibility, but God in his sovereign hands 
accomplishes his purposes through man's sin. There was an old lady that we used to visit in Suffolk. And we thought we were going to see her 100th birthday and she was taken home at the age of 99. She was John Gucci's grandmother. And often she would say when troubles came, she broke her hip and we went to see her in hospital. And whenever she had trials and tribulations, she used to say with a smile on her face, it's all ordered of the Lord, you know. And that's what's happened to you and I. It's order that we might apply what God has said to the particular situation in which we are found. And also that we might know his keeping and sustaining grace. For we are not only saved by grace, but we are kept by grace. And therefore faith must trust him in any and every situation. That is why a complaining Christian is a complete contradiction. It doesn't mean that if, like Joseph, you happen to be in prison, that you don't ask the butler to remember you when he goes back to Pharaoh's palace. It doesn't mean that we don't use medication and we don't go to see the doctor. I know some of us men are allergic to a doctor's surgery. But behind it all, it is ordered of the Lord. And having done what we ought to do and fulfilled our responsibility, we are to rest in the Lord. We really are. And in a moment, things were changed for Joseph. From being in prison, he's now in Pharaoh's palace. Things can change with us if God so wills it. But if he doesn't, then God will give amazing grace. Many years ago I was going to see a friend of mine who was coming to the end of his life. He lived in a lovely flat overlooking the sea at Westcliff. We had worked together in the London Embankment Mission and God had used him as a signpost to go to South End. And we bowed in prayer that day. I knew that Jimmy hadn't got much longer to go and so did he. And there are times when God gives a special visitation of himself. And that particular evening, I shall never forget it, God came down and gave him a foretaste of heaven. And there are times when that happens, but there are times when that doesn't happen. And in times when it doesn't happen, we are to take God at his pure word. As he is. And the restoration to Job comes out of pure grace and favour. What amazing. But what happened? Well, Job must have been blown away. Because he was blessed in the latter days more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep. Have you ever thought of counting 14,000 sheep? You would be asleep, wouldn't you, by the end of the first thousand? 6,000 camels! 
Imagine climbing on 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. That must have taken some looking after. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima, the name of the second Keziot, and the name of the third Karen Hupuk. I think that's how you pronounce it. In all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And they all lived happily ever after. Beautiful daughters. Beauty was considered a special thing in the East in those days. Job had confounded Satan and glorified God. And we must do that. When perplexities come, we must do that. And God has a plan for your life and for mine. And as somebody said, life is a bed of roses, thorns included. It really is. So that one day we will hear, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. And you and I in our lives are given opportunity to trust God and to take God at his word. Opportunities to witness for him, to do good, to use them well. Can you imagine those believers in the labour camps of North Korea? Can you remember dear believers in Nigeria? nephew of mine is courting a young, a young lady from Sri Lanka. Her father was a minister in Sri Lanka and they had to flee Sri Lanka because of persecution. They had to leave Sri Lanka. But one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And even a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus will be remembered and every one of us has a ministry to perform every single believer here can perform a, a ministry and what is that ministry the ministry of encouragement you know a hand on a shoulder an email I prefer a letter to an email it's an old fashioned thing but they can keep a letter Reminding us that we are praying for them, that we are remembering them. Encouraging missionaries on the mission field. The ministry of encouragement. Brother, sister, we are praying for you, we are remembering you. We know things are difficult, we know things are hard, but we want you to know that we are there for you, bearing one another's burdens, and so fulfil the law of Christ. And oh, how we need at times continually to have eternal realities in view that this is not all there is that one day there will be this will be no more and that one day we shall be absent from the body and present with the Lord and one day 
there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Well, after that, Job lived another 140 years. Well, he must have gone on for a long time. And saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. Job could never have anticipated that, or even thought about that. And one day my friends were going to be in heaven. That's the intermediate state. And we're going to be present with the Lord. And it will be beyond our wildest expectations. Because human words cannot put into, cannot paint a picture of the wonder and glory of heaven. Can you imagine what it must be to behold the glory of the Lord Jesus? And as John Piper says, heaven will be too short, eternity will be too short to explore the glory of Christ. What a wonderful future there is for us. And we are to remember that we're not here forever. We're here only for a season and then above. Amen. Let us pray. <coughs> oh God in heaven, we come before you this morning and we have to say that your ways are past finding out. Save us from being like Job's critics, so-called friends, who had all the doctrine so clinical and so cold. Lord, grant that when we see a brother or sister who is a believer, help us to have a compassionate heart, a loving heart, and may each believer here know what it is to exercise a ministry of encouragement, a text, a phone call, an email, a letter, hand on the shoulder. And Lord, for those who are going through trial, and sometimes, oh God, our emotions are churned up. Lord, may such people even here this morning who are going through trial Know the words of the Lord Jesus instilling that storm, peace be still. O oh God, hear us, we pray. Show yourself as the God of all comfort, we ask. In Jesus' name, Amen.